You're listening to the Scottish Football Forums podcast, the home of Scottish football banter. Hello and welcome to the Scottish Football Forums podcast. I'm Craig and I'm the host of the show and I'm once again joined by Chris. Right, Chris? Hello. All right, I've got bad news for tonight. I couldn't get as anybody anybody decent <laughs> in the podcast, so I had to resort to Laurie. I had to come back. <laughs> back off the bench. We've been sitting there bench warming for ages. That's it. Well, pretended you've been busy, Laurie, but the truth is you were dropped. But you're back. <laughs> See how you do this week. I hope you've got information like uh, on Juventus Stadium and like, on how Pirlo started his career and stuff like that, what we had last week. Aye. I just no. got mump and moan. Yeah. <laughs> just complain about stuff. Sorry, folks, if you're listening to this, the standards are going to drop dramatically for last week. Aye. Aye, I was getting all jealous, you know, getting all these famous people in to replace me. <laughs> That's it, aye, it was, a, it was a coup. Right. Aye, get to, getting back to his usual commentating. <laughs> now, I was I was thinking about, normally at this point I talk through what we're going to do in the podcast, but I often mention things that I forget about talking about. So I'm, I'm not really sure whether I should do it or not. So I'm going to keep it light this time. I'm just going to say we'll cover the SPL. We might do the SFL. We might do the charity bet. We might do Scotland <laughs> against Wales. In fact, I've written on my agenda no SPL next week. That can't be a point to talk about. No, oh, well. it's just a fact. <laughs> oh, well, I've, Rafa would say. Fact! I've written it down. In fact, I've also written <laughs> down something random. Just the word random. Right? Because the bit at the end needs a title. But anyway... <laughs> Just it's random. That's all it is. That's the title. And also League Cup. Can I forget that? Because I'm willing to can. talk about that we at length with Laurie here. <laughs> Lots of forgetting to do. What League Cup? Right, Chris, you want to start us off with the SPL? Yeah, we're going back to Friday night because we had a, a live televised game in ESPN at First Park as Hibs were the visitors. And then uh, we're hoping to repeat their win back in October, which is a uh, lack of goal line technology assisted, of course. And it was looking good, good midway through the first half when they took the lead through Tom Teo. But then Motherwell came out fired up in the second half, especially with James McFadden, who put in a display that will please everyone who's been wanting to see him get back to his best. He might not be quite there yet, but it was enough to turn the game round. First his cross to Michael Higdon, saw the striker pull Motherwell level. And then he himself danced his way through the Motherwell defence and fired home Motherwell's second. But if his performance was good, it was probably overshadowed by Callum Higginbottom's scissor kick, which curled Tom Hately's cross beyond Ben Williams for Motherwell's third. McFadden then set up the final goal of the game as he took the defence for a walk before cutting it back to Hately and his shot was deflected by Williams to ensure Motherwell kept up a good run of form to move further from the Highland teams as well as closing the gap on Celtic to just 12 points who it played on Saturday. And that's where we'll start at Celtic Park where Aberdeen were shell-shocked visitors. 12 seconds into the match, Chris Common set a new SPL record for the fastest goal, ably assisted by the previous record holder, Anthony Stokes. But if it looked like that would be a bad day for Aberdeen, they came back and rallied well. Uh, first of all, Josh McGuinness dispossessed Kelvin Wilson just before half-time, and as Wilson spent the time moaning, sitting on his backside, looking for a free kick, yep. McGuinness cut it back to Scott Vernon and levelled the game. The roles then reversed in the second half as Vernon turned provider for McGuinness to fire under Foster for 2-1, and it looked every bit to be Aberdeen's day as he went further in front when Gavin Ray's long-range effort was deflected past Foster by McGuinness. That, of course, doubled Aberdeen's... Uh, Tally since the winter break from three to six. 
But it was still half an hour to go. And within 10 minutes, Celtic got it back to one goal, thanks to a Charlie Mulgrew deflected effort. And then with just a couple of minutes of regular time remaining, Gary Hooper headed home from close range to get a share of the points. Or so many thought. Four minutes injury time had almost come and gone when a Mulgrew free kick, sorry, not a Mulgrew free kick, a Collins free kick was nodded into the ground by Lissad, only for George's Samaras to score with his second overhead kick of the season. So Q Bedlam at Celtic Partners of Champions League celebrated all three points in a game they looked at one point to be losing. That's 15 points clear and now just seven points maintaining the SPL title. Aberdeen still in the hunt for the top six though, despite that defeat. The other game on Saturday was in the Highlands and it was another derby as Ross County visited Inverness, both of whom were looking to secure their place in the top six. Despite County being a point ahead, Inverness led the, the head-to-head with two wins and two draws from the previous derbies and indeed it was advantage Inverness in just the fifth minute uh, when Andrew Shinney tapped home for and Richie Forens knocked down towards the goal from a corner. But County weren't 11 games unbeaten for nothing and levelled the game thanks to Ian Viger's free kick finding Paul Washington who curled in an absolutely exquisite equaliser. But all went wrong in the second half when Mihail Kovacevic was adjudged to have brought down Charlie Taylor in the penalty area and upstepped Billy McKay to put Inverness back in front. Well, he stepped up after the complaining of all the players and the managers that died down, that is. I remember when Summits used to get called to those kind of things. Maybe that's only Glasgow derbies. <laughs> right. Anyway, speaking of derbies, Sunday's lunchtime kick-off was the, the Dundee versus the Tannadice. The drama started 20 minutes into the game and Dundee captain Gary Irvin was sent off for leading with the arm into a header, although he'd somehow escaped a possibly worst two-footed challenge earlier in the match. Still, despite being down to 10 men and having lost all the previous derbies, Dundee continued to battle and eventually got their reward midway through the second half when Ryan Conroy fired high beyond Radoslav Czerniak to fight, give the team the 10 men the lead. But if they'd learned one thing about Dundee United this season, it's that they never give up and it was exactly the same in this derby. A last-minute long ball was nodded down by John Daly and into the path of Michael Gardine who chipped the ball over short-term loan signing goalkeeper Steve Simmonson. So that drop at United level on points with Hibs, but still seventh on goal difference. So for Dundee, it's now 13 points behind St Martin and 14 behind Hearts, who were, of course, playing in the showpiece match of the weekend. And we'll come to that later, I think. Yeah, but I wanted to talk about Under Armour, right? It's, it's a common craze uh, lately. People, footballers especially, and guys off the street, joggers and so on, they've all started wearing these tight vests underneath. I don't know, there's rumour is that they keep it warm, keep you warm in the winter, keep you cool in the summer. I don't know if it's technology's kind of coming into that. But then I spotted something in the Celtic game. Samaras has bucked the trend and he was wearing an old man's vest under his top. <laughs> what was that yes. all about? <laughs> so, to be fair, to back this up, a physio once told me I should wear the, the under... Sort of armour shorts but to yep. help with my groin strength to keep it warm. Yeah, I, I think so it stops it, you it, jiggling. It does actually, yeah, well, I don't know if it stops you jiggling. Stops you jiggling. <laughs> I, I wasn't just meaning that. the shorts. I was meaning. Is that the tagline they put on the advert? Stops you jiggling. Aye, but Samaras, either that, maybe it's just too large for him or, or it was just an old what? man's vest. What's too large? Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell Laurie's back. <laughs> It was all nice and behaved. I know, aye. Derek, never, there's no innuendo at all. <laughs> I'm sure there was at one point, because I was trying not to laugh at one point, and I just thought, I'll behave myself. Derek's on the podcast, I'm not going to say a word. <laughs> Forget what it was, I just remember thinking that at one point. <laughs> and best behaviour. Right, so what was the red card about in the Dundee game? Uh, he's just with the arm. I'm, 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 that's the only thing I could possibly see that was wrong with it. Aye, but I, I don't and know. It, it's a bit... If it led with an elbow, maybe, but it's just for him. Aye, it looked a bit harsh to me. It's to be honest, the, 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 the challenge he had before it was probably a worse, and 
uh, worst it was the same as Rankins that he was sent off for last week. So maybe he could have been sent off for that, but he wasn't. So to be sent off for what he was was harsh. If it was Ryan Stevenson with the tackle before it, he would have got like three red cards for that one. So. Nah, he'd have been arrested, eh? See, um, had he not been booked before his red card? I don't think so. No, no, okay. No, it was just, um, we were watching it, well, kind of half watching it in the pub before the whatever thing I was doing yesterday. I'm trying to forget what it was. <laughs> but um, uh, we were discussing, uh, you know how refs can still give straight reds if even if a player's been booked? Mm-hmm. You know, yep. if, if, he, if he judges it to be a straight red. Oh, aye. Because yep. obviously a straight red is more punishable, like more retrospective punishment afterwards than a uh, two yellows. Mm-hmm. What happens to the first yellow? It's just a genuine question. I was just. We I think just, it still gets added to your points, don't we? Uh, well, that's what we were. That's what we were wondering. Like, can you then get a red card and a yellow from a game if, like, for instance, you've been booked for whatever? A, yeah. Well, a, technically, a you can get you... two red cards. Well, yeah, that's what I was wondering. But if, like, and yeah. More. That's what we were. Just, yeah. We were just wondering at the time, and we'd obviously had a couple of beers, so we weren't thinking too coherently. So we were just. <laughs> it came up, and we couldn't figure it out. But anyway, there we go. I was quite Aye, pleased. It was uh, sorry, Lorry. Uh, right, keep going, because I was going to move on to the Motherwell. Cut Derek Ray off like that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll move on to the Motherwell game then, because I wanted to mention. <laughs> just fire on, I will <laughs> I wanted to mention McFadden. Brilliant, buddy. Aye. I, I, I watched the game on Friday night and I just, I, I was, his, his feet were a joy to watch. That's it. <laughs> this was the rest of him, I suppose. <laughs> no, but they, 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 he had a few runs where he was just dancing through the defence. It it's was definitely the McFadden of old. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think he's quite reached that point yet, but I mean, there's certainly, you can see the class is still there, which I never thought he'd have lost. It was just whether he could regain fitness enough to put it to good use. And he's still only 29 oh, as well. I know. That's that's the thing, it's scary. I thought he was older than me. <laughs> the thing is, they're talking about uh, how he's rolling back the years. And I'm sure they said <laughs> Oh no. I'm sure they said that at the at the end of the game and he was like, I'm twenty nine. <laughs> but that they, they said something like it's been ten years since his last goal for the mother. And it was something like three or four years since his last goal. It's crazy what's happened with some players. I think I mentioned it on Twitter a month or two back, you know, you you think you think back to what let's see, what was it, about eight years ago, eight, nine years ago or something you'd if someone had said to you then that Craig Gordon, James McFadden, Derek Reardon, they're all they're all going to be unemployed in eight years or something, you you would have thought they were mental because at the time it was like Gordon was it was just before he went for nine million. He was Scotland's number one. McFadden, I think he was at Everton at the time, wasn't he? He was doing pretty well at the time. Yeah. Reardon was looking like you know a really good prospect at Hibs, scoring like twenty odd goals a season, and it's just it all kind of lost away. I think Gordon and McFadden were more down to fitness and injuries but still I mean you could add Thompson that... Kevin Thompson to yeah that. I was going to say I... it's, it's disappointing the number of these great players that have suffered so badly for injury because like you say mm-hmm. Craig Gordon's had injury worries uh, James McFadden's had his injury worries for all this time Kevin Thompson's had his James McFadden uh, not James McFadden James Forrest seems to be the latest in a long line of talented players that will look as if they might go somewhere and can't actually fit yeah, he's, he's got an odd thing going on at the moment where he's having to get some treatment so it happens a lot. I mean, the same with like even more recent players. I mean, Andy Driver is the same. I mean, he's you know couldn't couldn't get rid of him quick enough, you know, or just yeah. just to get him off the wage bill, let alone take money. And it was only a couple of years ago we were rejecting two and a half million from him. And he was looked amazing at the time. And I hear he scored in his debut. Yeah, he nominated for goal of the week in the MLS. I posted it on Twitter earlier actually. <laughs> on his debut, finds the net. 
Unfortunately, it was on Sunday as well. I could have done with someone who could find the night on Sunday. That's <laughs> just the way it goes, I suppose. One thing I, that McFadden said at the end of the game, and I wasn't sure how to take this, I'm not sure how Motherwell fans are going to take this, but he, he seemed to make it clear that he was only with Motherwell to get himself fit. He says if the club benefits, then they both win. But he was quite adamant that he was just there for himself. Do you think he's right to say that? Well, I can understand that. But it's, it's good that he's went back to where he started, I think. And like I say, if they're both benefiting, they're both benefiting. But I'm not surprised he's done it for himself. Uh, to be honest, I think most players in that position would do that. I think he's maybe being a bit overly honest, a bit too candid, maybe. You'd think that... <laughs> I, I think a lot of players are in that situation. But, you know, they're usually very sort of... It's almost that... The respect that some teams or managers pay to other teams, you know, you, you think, do they really think that? Are they just being nice? Yeah. I mean, you'd think he would maybe pay a bit more respect to Mother, but I suppose at least he's honest. I mean, I don't think Mother will complain. They get a very talented player and they're not committed to too long if he does get any injuries. So yeah. it's it, it does benefit both if, if he if he does well. So it's no harm in saying it. I mean, you'd, you'd think if a fit McFadden would, you'd hope would. Um, look for something. No, no disrespect to Mullerwell. Generally, our league, you'd probably say you'd look for something out with the SPL. You know, even Aye. championship or something. But I ah, see. I reckon. I reckon a fit and back to his best. McFadden's a Premiership player. Still, because no he's as he says, twenty nine, and he yeah, was never, he's still got potential to get back to it. So, and he's got. He's, he's one of those players. It wasn't like I think with, for instance, like Driver, who I mentioned. I think one of the problems with him was he was a lot of his game was based on his kind of pace and you know hitting it past people and running on and he, he kind of lost a bit of that injury I think Torres suffers from that a bit as well a lot of his game was based on his kind of his first couple of yards of pace and when he lost that it wasn't the same but McFadden wasn't just really he wasn't sort of a take it and run past lots of players with pace he had skill and yeah. he had a good shot on him so I think it's still if he gets back to his best yeah, I think he could certainly be a good championship player even lower half premiership if, he, if things went alright for him yeah, hopefully he starts pushing for a Scotland place as well and that's we have that little. Sorry, go on. I was going to say that's the key. I mean, I, I've looked. I'm, I've, we'll come on to the, the Scotland game later, but uh, I've, I mean, looking at those squads, the Scotland squad's screaming out for somebody like McFadden, somebody yeah. the fans can get excited about. There just isn't that at the moment. Definitely, yeah. yeah. We have that few players, I think, in Scotland who have that sort of natural ability. It's that it's kind of hard to discount them, even when they are. It's the same with Fletcher. It was no matter what the issues behind it we had that few players who were like quality in front of goal like him that it's hard for a team like Scotland to sort of just discount players so yeah, yeah. definitely it would be good for Scotland if you could get back and I suppose it's good for the SPL although I won't be saying that if we have to come up against them anytime soon <laughs> so were you watching the game on Friday night it was on the ESPN I did yeah I feel up watching it so unfortunately I, I watched it. the first half I missed all the I missed Hibs getting pumped in a second. <laughs> there seemed to be a problem with the commentary volume when I was watching. Like it was oh. as if the crowd was turned up too loud. I couldn't really I hear. You say if it was if it was quiet, then it'd just be. No, oh, I, I could hear Stephen Craigan <laughs> far too well, unfortunately. I'm a bit. It was just something wrong with my box. <laughs> something always wrong with your box. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, Callum Higginbottom's technique. How brilliant was that? Aye, aye, you're right. You missed it. I need to go back. I've been, oh, I've been in a good mood this weekend. I've not gosh. went. I've not went watch the goals yet. Laura, you need to go back and no, watch some of the goals. I'm pretending football. Chris, I'm, I've been ignoring football this weekend. I, I would call that an overhead kick. You called that a scissor uh, kick. I called that a scissor kick because it wasn't quite overhead. Uh, what Samaras did was overhead. Samaras definitely, yeah. Uh, I'd give Higginbottom that. I, I think Higginbottom was more of a twist to 
I don't know. Joby Jacob, twist. I don't know. <sighs> Bye, it was good nonetheless. Aye. I mean, but it wasn't, I mean, we've mentioned Samaras, we've mentioned Higginbottom. The Lawson goal for Ross County was a fantastic strike as well. Oh, yeah, that was a It was piece. just good technique, wasn't it? Curling away for the keeper. Yeah. I wondered why I wondered why Viger set up when I first saw it. I was like, why are you no shooting? Because uh, Viger's got a great left foot on him, but I know it was a cracking finish. Uh, what was going on with the highlights there? I was watching it on YouTube, and there was some <laughs> scenes that you just couldn't see what was going on at all because of the raindrops. Uh, I think it's because the... Um... I think the camera on that side is basically sitting out in the open air, isn't it? But you think they still have that cover in the front of it, but I was maybe thinking it was that Inverness sideways rain you know, <laughs> coming straight at it. You don't see that normally in the live games. So is it a different camera, do you think? Or? No, no, I was watching it on Danish and it was still doing that. <laughs> <laughs> it was still, the camera was still manking. I'm assuming you mean BBC Alba. <laughs> Aye. Ah, it does my head in. <laughs> I can't stand to get someone else so much. Aye. The thing but is, actually, get Derek, get Derek on BBC Alba so I can actually understand what they're saying. To be honest, I'm just I'm thinking there was four SPL games this weekend because of the League Cup final, and every single one of them had a cracking goal. You had Higginbottom in the Motherwell game, you had Samaras at the end of the Celtic game, you had um, Paul Austin in the Inverness Ross County game, and then you had Ryan Conroy in the Dundee Derby. I thought Ryan Conroy's strike was fantastic as well. I quite like Mackay Stevens diving header. It hit the bar. So it wasn't a goal. Oh, yeah. I quite like that. It was a good game. I mean, I wouldn't say it was the great amount of football we had in some other games in the weekend, but it was exciting. Dundee were well up for it. And I mean, there's no doubt John Brown's got them fighting. Maybe a wee bit too harsh, but <laughs> could they play, play some more football? And uh, but no, nah, Dundee need to do something to try and get out of the, the big mess they're in. It's uh, heading straight for the SFL one again. But well, there's uh, only one hope for Dundee, and it's not something that I want. To yeah, think it's about. a big A word. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Aye, don't worry, Laurie. Don't worry. It's just, it's painful, but it's not as bad as you you think. The the L word is worse. <laughs> <laughs> Well, to be fair, I don't think that would happen, but yeah, it's all a bit up in the yeah. air at the moment on that. Yeah. Right, uh, before we talk about the League Cup, I thought I'd briefly mention the SFL, and again, I'm going to mention Dunfermline, because it's just not looking good for them. Jim Jeffries was saying prior to the Wraith Rovers game that that could be their last game. Now, luckily, I've not heard any more on that, but uh, it's worrying times. I hear that the fans withdrew their offer <coughs> for the club. And I don't know if anything else is on the table. I'm not sure if it was withdrawn or pretty much it was obvious it was rejected. Right. Because um, Masterson seemed to be pretty adamant they didn't prove that they had the money to buy it. So mm-hmm. I don't know. That's, that's rich coming for him because I'm not sure he's proof that he could afford to run it in the first place. But then he is a total banker. Yes, that... it's a B. <laughs> Thanks, Scotland. That's a joke. Oh, good. I'd have to hit the, the flag <laughs> on iTunes. Oh, no, I, I didn't want to do that. Yeah, if only Dunfermline could kind of keep afloat for the reconstruction, because if that goes ahead and they stay in the first division or whatever it's going to be called, then the financial rewards are going to be there. Yeah. I mean, they're sitting fourth now, which obviously would be the middle eight, and they were in that position earlier this season, so there was no, they would have been a middle eight team, which meant they would have played fourth in the SBL. Yeah. The top tier. Even the prize money, because I, I know that the first place in Division 1 is going up from, what was it, 70 to 400 grand. Yeah. So oh, yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of money, a lot of increase going on 
throughout that league. But I, so fingers crossed, it's not nice when you hear about that happening to clubs. Although I hear uh, Alex Ferguson's talking about sending a team up. Assuming Dunfermline still hang on, yeah. But that'd be good, I think that'd be a good money spinner. And I think Wraith Rovers were going to give some of their gate receipts to them as well. Helping yeah, them out I mean, the that, weekend that, Given the, the rivalry between those two, that's a, a very good gesture. Yeah. I was spotting in the fixtures for the first division and I was seeing, seeing that Cowdenbeath against Partick tomorrow evening's already called off due to snow. It's a bit early, is it not? This oh. is recorded uh, <laughs> on a Monday evening. <clears throat> uh, anyway, I just thought that, that jumped out at me. And in the second division, we had Queen of the South, who we had in the charity bet, only managed to salvage a, a draw with Arbroath in the last minute with mm-hmm. a strike from Nicholas Clark. Simple Mind on the forum, he's a Queen of the South fan, mentioned that Ewan Smith's 35-yard strike was well worth a watch. But unfortunately, and I've mentioned this before, <laughs> the SFL site don't have the highlights up until at least Tuesday. You know the daft thing about that Queen of the South draw is? See, despite the fact this is one of the few times they drop points, they still extended their lead because <laughs> Alwa lost it breaking. <laughs> ah, that league's over. Aye, it's twenty-one points are clear. Queen of the South. If it wasn't for the fact that Breakin have played five games less than Alwa, uh, they, they could win the league this weekend. <laughs> and technically, I think they still could win the week, but they need like Breakin to lose two games and what. Like, I think one of them's this midweek and it might be postponed and they need to lose at the weekend and then Queen of the South would actually have to beat Alwa. But uh, I was I was working out exactly. Might, a couple of weeks ago I was telling us when people might win the the specific divisions. I've, I've changed the way I do it slightly. It's now, I've now worked out a magic number, which is basically how many points the team still require. And Queen of the South's magic number is nine. They're already at the point that Alwa can only catch them on goal difference, but the nine points come from Breakin's games in hand. Right. So they could win it on March 23rd, it might be later, depending on Breaking City. Uh, if you look at Celtic, they need seven, as I said earlier. Uh, the SFL one's obviously still pretty tight. I think this was magic number 27. <laughs> That's still quite a way away. Yeah. And uh, Rangers' magic number is probably the most crucial one, because it's now five, which means that uh, if they beat Sterling at the weekend and at lunchtime and Queen's Park lose to Annan, the third division uh, is decided. I think it was Derek last week mentioned that uh, ESPN were hoping that it was going to be a title party. Yeah, it can't be because they play too early. Yes, yes. And also they they lost. (laughs) Not the weekend there, the weekend before. (laughs) Yeah, if they hadn't lost to Aaron, then it would be. But uh, yeah, because Queen's Park lost to the weekend there, it's back on. They could win the the title this weekend. Yep, nice. Rangers uh, Rangers in the third division in the SFL, in fact, managed to play on despite the international break. There's none of us pulling out or complaining that our team's decimated <clears> with <throat> call-offs because Andy Little's been called up to a Northern Ireland squad. We've hardly got a team to put out and we're losing our players left, right and centre. I was going to say, he's like Kevin Kelgo on uh, mutually consented out the door. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what is was Is that just cost-cutting or is that just because he's rubbish or what? Well, he's rubbish. He was overweight. He was never he's, fit. He's so. been crocked for. I, what, what did I say when he left us and the Rangers signed him? That he's he's never he's never going to be fit again. Probably. I'm sure he even said it himself that he wasn't going to be fit, and then he went to Rangers and it just just never happened for him. So yeah, he's been. He was just a, it was just another Rangers signing. Going, oh look, an SPL team couldn't afford to keep him. Let's sign him. 
Let's show our big money, eh? So you, you, you're living in Aberdeen now, I can tell. <laughs> that was me. I was thinking of Charles Green's face, but I didn't sound anything like him. <laughs> Come on, that, wait a minute, that was a Yorkshire accent. No, I wasn't even trying. I forgot where he was from. Northeast of Scotland, England, no Scotland. <laughs> right, we'll move on to the, the League Cup then. Oh, we know we're, go- we're not going to talk about Ian Black getting sent off <laughs> again. Oh, Ian Black. He just he just sees a worry. That's his problem. He, I don't know what the third division doesn't suit him. He just he was having an okay game actually for a, a bit of a change, but aye, sent off again. And he, the look on his face, he's as if oh who me? Aye, you <laughs> sent off. It was silly. At least it wasn't a straight red card. It was just two silly yellows. It, it, it did make me feel better about one thing because. Before the last week's podcast, we've discussed the possibility of having one of the the charity bet being a, both teams to score. And I think the game I was going to pick was Elgin City and Angels. And of course, it was 1-0 thanks to a penalty. Oh, it was rubbish. It was woeful. I'm not looking forward to the game at Ibrox on Saturday lunchtime because Sterling Albion, last time they came to Ibrox, they weren't really there to play football. It's a bogey team, isn't well, I'm not sure how they were at Fourth Bank, but at Ibrox they were a bit basic and a bit, I don't want to say thuggish, they're physical. Ah, you'll, you'll pack, you'll pack 60 odd thousand in there, you know, and then, <laughs> and, and then tell the police it was there. <laughs> All right, well, maybe that takes us on seamlessly. Laurie wanted to mention. Aye, we'll skip the League Cup. We'll come back to the League Cup because we'll it's not it. I've oh. got it written down. Don't worry, Chris, I will bring it up. <clears throat> Aye, attendances. So, Rangers and Celtic fans seem to be obsessed with each other's attendances this season especially and there's talk that oh it's a sellout, it's a sellout this week, uh, we've got more fans than you but then there was some Celtic fans I think started it by contacting the police and getting the, the true figures if you like because the clubs, Rangers and Celtic anyway, I'm not sure if all clubs do it but they count tickets sold as the attendance rather than actual people feet through the gates and the police figures are a lot lower than the actual tickets sold because sometimes season ticket holders can't make it. Sometimes people who buy a one-off ticket can't make it for whatever reason. But then I was hearing that other clubs in SPL, and I think Hearts was included in this, they don't count tickets sold. They just count people through the gate. Now, I always thought it was just tickets sold. I thought that was across the board. Oh, but see, what I don't get about that is, though, <clears throat> like um, League Cup games are in your season ticket, aren't they? Uh, not for Rangers. No, not for us, no. All right, all right, okay, well. Well, with the offer Hearts, and that's why one thing I was obviously surprised at was, like, Hearts had, um, I know we had, uh, we played Livingston early in the season, and we have League Cup games. Uh, and, like, I mean, I've not got a season ticket this year, but we used to. League Cup was on it, um, and I think we posted, like, 7,000 or something, which is less than the season ticket holders we have. But, I mean, I don't know if it's because... At Tynecastle, it's obviously it's harder to fabricate a lot of fans. I mean, if there's twelve thousand in Tynecastle and the figures I have to say fifteen thousand, it's fairly obvious. There's not much room for manoeuvre. <laughs> we just don't have the space. But I, I don't assume... think it's fabrication. I think that that sounds like they're they're, they're well, making it, it up. They're, they they're going, but they're they're just using. See, it says sold. the attendance. They're saying tickets sold. It's a common thing, definitely in England. So if a, if a game's about so if a game's called off and and the game doesn't play, then there was still fifty thousand people there. <laughs> yes, is that yep. what you're saying? <laughs> That's what you're saying. Well, see, I, th- I, I, 
I think they should publish both figures, to be honest, because how many tickets have sold as of interest? Because obviously that generates revenue. But how many people come through the turnstiles is more interesting because they're the people that buy the programmes and buy the pies and buy the bovros, and that generates a revenue as well. But, I mean, if your team's... If the, if the season ticket holders who are feeling that they can't be bothered to go to games, there'll always be some, but to that level, I mean, I can... But the Celtic one was what... They've posted an average of forty-six, and it's right. like, and it's they've actually had thirty-three. Right, I've got I've got the figures in front of me. The um, up to in the thirty league games Celtic played between the start of the season and their game against Kilmarnock on January thirtieth, the club reported an official gate of five hundred ninety-seven thousand three hundred ninety-one. But over count? the same period, the club have only reported a figure of four hundred thirty-seven thousand nine hundred ninety to the police. It means the publicised figure has been inflated by one hundred fifty-nine thousand four hundred one, a thirty-six percent increase. Now the big question there is why is thirty-six percent of the tickets being sold not being used? That's a big thing. That's ridiculous. Because it, it obviously it must be almost entirely season ticket. Because people are not going to buy a walk up ticket to a game and they're not going, are they? They're no, gonna it buy must it. be. It's going to be almost entirely season ticket holders. So that, to yeah. me, that's a big deal. And I just know that I've been to Hearts games before, and it's been you know it's been a, a ten thousand odd, and I, that was about what our level of season tickets were. But there was a lot of walk up people, so I, I just. I don't. I can't see that it's ever been fabricated the same way. From my experience at Hearts, I've never really seen it to that extent. When things have been going bad, I mean, we posted ten thousand the other week against. Um, I think it was the St Johnston game, which must be not much over the level of season ticket holders. So I, I mean, I, I don't know for sure. It's obviously harder to tell because, as I say, there isn't much room for manoeuvre. But it just seemed, it seemed ridiculous that that, that extent. Yeah. I, I don't, I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I've maybe I've not looked into it enough at other grounds, and maybe it's just it'll never be that much fans difference. It just seemed it seemed an awful lot. No, unfortunately, the the, the real record that's publicising this, the only figures they really give you is the Celtic Rangers ones. The Rangers one was a twenty six percent increase on the total, so that's a quarter of them haven't turned up. Which yes. itself is weird. The, th- the thing they did say was the publicised figures given by St Mirren, Mullerwell and Kilmarnock for match day attendances at their ground appeared to match the ones given to police. So yes. I think they're implying there that, that what, what they give the, uh, the press association is actually what they have uh, coming through so, the doors. So, I mean, there must be an old... I mean, it, they must be thinking about it and making a conscious decision to do it for, you know... PR publicity and whatnot. I mean, yeah. they can't just be thinking, right? Let's just, you know, well, whatever. We'll publish this ticket. They obviously must be thinking about it because otherwise, why bother with two? Why not just go right? Doing... If we yeah. if we have to have the figures for the police, then why bother doing two? You just go right. Let's just do the same one. But they obviously must be thinking about it. And I, I don't know. It, they it make just a seems big deal about it. Like hey, I know the Rangers East Stirling game. They made a big announcement over the tannoy. Uh, it's a complete sellout. And I'm looking about going, right, I can see quite a few seats that are empty yeah. here. I could see uh, with the the reduced visibility seats, they're always empty. But I, I sell out with tickets left. Yep. It's, it's worth noting that the, uh, a police spokesman said the figures do not include some corporate hospitality guests and those patrons who enter the yep. stadium out with the control of the turnstile management. Now, I don't think that comes anywhere close to accounting for the difference. <laughs> I, don't know, Chris, I think you're wrong there because Rangers hand out thousands of free tickets. I've seen That's proof on the internet. <laughs> I mean, the, the clubs, Aye, but, the no, he's spoke. saying once he went out with the turnstiles, as in 
Somebody might have had to be let in. I don't think all these free tickets get pushed (laughs) in through the side door, do they? They still have to go through the turnstile. Yeah, I mean, the the Celtic spokesman said, like many other British clubs, the figures we provide are total paid attendances between season books and matchday tickets. In addition, the police figures do not include all corporate hospitality figures. And the Rangers spokesman said, our crowds are calculated on the number of tickets sold for each game, which we understand is common practice for the overwhelming majority of clubs in the country. So they're both singing. Celtic didn't mention how they lied for the St. Johnson game because they said it was zero. (laughs) <laughs> that's the BBC website said that for ages I never did go back and check to see if they fixed it but yeah, yeah. I, was, I mean I was definitely there right so it's at least one right well what I'll do is I'll keep a tally right. I'll, I'll, I'll start counting that's what to do it has got a bit sort of I mean at the end of the day it's it's not that important but it, it did get a bit tiresome this season you'd always see every weekend especially obviously if Celtic were away from home Rangers fans posting, Rangers attendance today, 45,000. Combined attendance for the SPL, 22,000 or whatever. And it was like, every time, and I was like, is there a point here? No one has ever disputed how much fans Rangers have. I mean, it, it just seemed to be every week. It just started getting a bit... Yeah. No one's ever disputed that Rangers have the second biggest support, no matter what division they're in. It's just Or oh, first oh, oh, biggest. Oh, oh, sorry, oh, sorry, oh, sorry. Oh, it's sorry. According to the official figures, it's, bigger, it's a bigger average than Celtics this season. Yeah, sorry. But then that's all the free tickets that they're giving out. They're including the free tickets and the official (laughs) figures. Aye. Oh, you know what? We've got the fastest goal scorer. (laughs) Aye. You can keep... My dad's... My dad's hard. To be honest, we we kind of skipped over that, the fact that Chris Collins got that uh, goal on the weekend, 12.2 seconds. Rangers might be happy about that because until that goal... The goal, the goal that was the fastest in the SPL was scored against them by Anthony Stokes, fun enough, when he was at Hibs. So he actually uh, played a part in his own downfall in that record because it was him that gave it to Chris Commons. I remember that game, actually. What I found interesting, though, was uh, despite the fact Hibs scored first in that game, they lost 4-1. Aye. <laughs> and uh, they, that broke the previous record, which was set in the Celtic Rangers game by Chris Sutton. And again, that was scored in 16.9 seconds and Celtic still lost. <laughs> So maybe the trick is don't score fast. We we managed to break that at the weekend there by scoring in the ninety fourth minute. Think Fair about all the build up to a game, and then that's after twelve seconds you go behind and you're like, oh right, we were meant to be keeping it tight for the first half hour. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Right. You think you think I've seven got, goals got... scored at Celtic Aberdeen? You would usually think that. Um... None would be registered by Aberdeen. (laughs) I have got some other bits, interesting bits and pieces. Somebody tweeted me when I was talking about this on uh, Saturday or Sunday that uh, the fastest Scottish Cup goal was scored by John Hewitt in the the 1982 third round of the Scottish Cup against Mullerwell. And he scored it in 9.6 seconds. It was the only goal of the game and Aberdeen went on to win the Scottish Cup that season, which then went to the Winners' Cup, which they went on to win. So that fastest goal was really important. Right, what about the fastest ever goal? I know the you fastest. want to say that because it sounds just like a hoof straight from the halfway line. <laughs> the fastest ever goal? Well, I mean, well, the fastest goal in Scotland was scored by a guy called Bert Monte of Clydeside under-19s. He did it in three seconds in the Paisley District League against Oban Saints. He basically took centre and hoofed it. Yeah. I've seen, and it I've still seen wasn't the fastest because apparently this is a wee bit disputed. Ricardo Oliveira in Uruguay in 1998 scored in 2.8 seconds. 
But uh, a guy called Mark Burrows scored for uh, Isla White in a non-league cow sports team against Eastleigh in 2004 in just two seconds. And sadly, Mark died of cancer to stage 30 in February 2009. Uh, see, the thing is, when you're getting down to that level, scoring in two seconds, it's, it's all about how hard you're going to hit that shot straight Aye. from kickoff. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, if you've got, if you've got a rubbish keeper against you, then you've got more chance of getting one straight from the centre, don't you? I've seen, seen a guy get booked because he took a shot from the, the centre. What? Aye, aye, they took kick-off and it was near the end of a game. Unsporting behaviour. Yeah, aye, he got done for it. Got booked. I think he got booked for that. Terrible, it's like an Argentinian game or something like that. Is that you and Norris? (laughs) Right, we'll move on and we'll discuss the League Cup because St Mirren, I I would have been happy if either team won it, but St Mirren came away victorious after, I was reading on Twitter, after the first maybe 10, 15, 20 minutes that St Mirren were embarrassing. And they'd let oh, themselves down. And was... I'll be honest, I watched the game from start to finish, and for the first at least half an hour, maybe even until they scored, Super <laughs> were rotten. They were terrible. I was fearing the worst. I thought Hearts were going to run away with it, and the longer it stayed one 0 I mean, was it Sutton that hit the post when it was still one 0 at one point? I think um, Michael and Goo had a couple of chances as well. If he just stuck his leg out, he might have got an end of one of them. We were missing uh, too many chances. We were missing too many Aye. chances. And so, as long as it stays 1-0, you're thinking, oh, well, St Mirren can get to half-time and come out fired up in the second half, to be fine. And then suddenly, from nothing, Stephen Thompson turns a man, plays in Gary Teal, who beat the offside trap and was on a full pelt for uh, one-on-one with the keeper, and then unselfishly passed the ball to uh, Gonsalves, who put a ball in it. You say he was running full pelt to most people, that's jogging. Ah, I know, it's Gary Teal. <laughs> <laughs> But no, it was, it was, it was well played. It was. I thought he'd run out of options when he came up against the keeper. I thought, oh no, he's bottled it. He's bottled it. But no, he knew best and he passed it's it. Just, so just as you think he's bottled it on Gonsalves, just appears. Yep. <laughs> off the screen. Aye, go. Yep. And then after that, St. Martin were flying because they, they came out in the second half and scored within about a minute, thanks to Stephen Thompson. Thanks uh, to Danny Wilson for getting nowhere near Thompson. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty poor marking, it, it was. It was. It wasn't even as if it was that fast a break. You've got to do better than that. I mean, it was. It was a good goal for uh, for Thompson. Well the, taken. Dominic Cross was well placed. I mean, that probably made up for the fact that the the, the Hearts goal came off a deflection off a of Dominic in the first place, and it, it actually came after there was two cracking challenges by St Mirren as well. It just kept breaking for Hearts. Defence was poor. Defence yeah, was very goal. poor yesterday. I thought, yeah. but and then. Ah, the, it was... You got the third goal, but it was a, a beautiful one-two between Connor Newton and Gonsalves again. The strike for Newton's fantastic. I love the slow motion you played the uh, sports scene had. <laughs> Did you see it? I've not watched it. I've not oh, watched it. I, of course you wouldn't have watched it. No, you were at the game. Deleting that from a Sky Plus. It was a super slow motion replay uh, uh, from behind Newton as he takes this shot. And you see Jamie McDonald going the wrong way and the ball just curving into the, the right-hand side of him. And it's a fantastic shot. And then just when you think it's all over, Ryan Stevenson scores again. <laughs> yep. It was good. It was a really good end to the it's game. Up. For a neutral, anyway. Genuine. No, give us false hope. Cup final. I was resigned to the defeat until he went and teased us with a little bit of hope at the end. Yeah, because you hit the woodwork not twice. I mean, you hit the woodwork at 3-1 when they hit the bar just before uh, Stevenson scored. And then he hit the post as well with that tight angle. So. Oh, he was a man possessed when he hit the post at that point. It just there was no stopping him. It was if like he was just telling the defence, look, just just leave it for me. I'm running the show here. 
Stevenson was good. He was good yesterday. He was one of the definite positives of it. But you know who I thought your best player was? Other than Stevenson, probably um, the young lad Walker, Jamie Walker. He's a good player. He's a good. You know, I, thought, I could believe in Gooden just stick out his leg for that yeah. one that he whipped right across the yeah. goal. You could see what he was going to do. I thought. He's kind of come off the boil a bit in Goo. He's, um, he's starting to like one of these frustrating players who, a bit like Fuller was like that when we had him for a while. He was brilliant at points, but sometimes he just was just, he would never finish things off. And it was it was a frustrating day because, as you say, for for the start of the game, it, it we could have been without without not even exaggerating, we could have been three up, in you know half an hour we were just all over them and some men weren't in the game, but. It was it was almost like too it was worrying because you know you're they're, they were gonna get us at least a spell and it was like if we don't take our chances and the problem with our team just now is I don't feel we've got much bottle and we can go we can play well and we can go ahead and but I just can't see us coming back from going behind and to be honest when it went two one it kind of felt like that was almost it it's just good to see us kind of pulling it back and fair play to Mirren you know. They were more clinical when they had their spell on top, and which was like kind of the second half. Yeah. Um. I was just disappointing. It wasn't as disappointing as maybe some finals. Uh, and I felt our support was a bit disappointing. To be honest, I was getting very frustrated with them because we were okay, we were decent, but as soon as we went one-one, it just kind of died. And then two-one, we just never got back behind the team. And I know that it's down to the players as well. You know, you can't blame fans but I think it can make a difference sometimes we had 25 30,000 for Hearts fans there and I don't know what it was like on the TV but we just it was almost like we were resigned to lose and even at 1-1 it just it kind of everyone sort of had that growing and and I think with especially with a lot of young players there obviously there's some experience as well but a lot of young players you know it can make a difference if we were got right behind them and it didn't happen until Stevenson scored the second but it was almost too late then you could see the difference that the whole atmosphere made it at that point because we could almost nick an equaliser, but it, it, you were talking about what? What did we have at that point? What, five minutes plus injury time or something? Yeah, five, five minutes was uh, so taking over. I felt the fans could. I think it's been like that sort of season. And afterwards, I mean, I've never been to a cup final and seen us lo- seen us lose. Ninety six against Rangers was a bit. I wasn't particularly bothered, and I wasn't there at that point. It was pretty pretty young, so it was the first cup final I've seen us get beaten. At least it was this year, not last, I suppose. But did you stay I, to watch the? I didn't stay and watch them. I stayed to full time, but they, they made it really quickly. I was trying to get out with the freaking hand. <laughs> I could hear them in the background lifting. Like, they got the, the well-known oh, footballing name that woman from Malawi. <laughs> Don't know what, what was going on there. Oh, it was some charity thing. No idea. I just felt so, just so weary afterwards. It's been that sort of season. I've never had such an exhausting season. It just feels like you know you try and get yourself g'd up, but oh. it's just been such a long season for us. It's. I just. I hope it'll be over. Hope one, we'll be over soon. One positive, Laurie, was the the bus driver got the night off. <laughs> I seen the bus still in the depot. Oh, you know who tweeted that though? It was some guy called Hibs FC. Was it? You know, it? The first it time was... I seen that picture, I was a Habs fan. You just knew it. Oh, <laughs> I, I was hearing stuff from Hearts fans talking about five one. I'm thinking, oh come on, behave yourselves. You should be like oh. Rangers and Celtic and and be friendly about these things. Oh, I mean, but I just it does get a bit sort of. I don't. If it'd been Hibs in that situation, I wouldn't have gone to the extent that somewhere. I mean, they were like celebrating. And I mean, to be honest, fair enough if last year hadn't happened. But to any Hibs fan, I just go. You do realise what the score was last time you were in a final against us, 
less like eight months ago. I mean, you've not really got much place. We're just not used to having any competition in the final. Took us by surprise, a team with some bottle to come back. But I mean, fair play, Simran. I mean, I felt they deserved on the day in the end because they just they looked like they wanted it more, and when they had they had the the chances, they took them a lot better. So I mean, at least it was a. a a non-old, a non-old farm team lifting a trophy, so I suppose it's good for Scottish football. But aye, we move on, and we've got talk of the takeover now. We've got a new manager, and I don't think he. I was surprised he got given it on a full-time basis so quickly, but I don't think you could really criticise Locke for it yesterday. I, I thought he set up this team as well as he could have, and it showed in the first sort of thirty-five minutes. But the confidence just isn't there with him, so. Let's just get to the end of the season in one piece. <laughs> to, to be honest, I think he had Locke had them fired up. Um, had they taken more of their chances when they were on top in the first half, you could have been out of sight before St Mirren got going. Oh, it was I, think, I think that's the difference. If you'd managed to do that, you'd have won the cup, no bother. But I mean, because you were only 1-0 when they got going, that, was, that kind of killed you a bit, I think. Put it this way, if we'd set out that team with that kind of same motivation from the start of games all season, we'd probably, we, we wouldn't be where we are. I mean, fair enough, right. you'd still lose the odd game like that, but, you know... Yeah, but you'd be, you'd be top six. Aye, definitely. Because but it's... then, I think St Mirren would say exactly the same thing. Because yeah. St Mirren have played really well, and they played great against us, and they played great against you in the final as well. Uh, but they just can't put that kind of performance in week in, week out. And that's why St Mirren and Hearts are sitting 10th and 11th at the moment. I mean, I'm not, to be honest... As long as we avoid the dreaded A word, uh, as long as we're still in the SPL, I think it's. I, I, I'm I'm not overly fussed to be honest. At this stage, I'm at the point where if we were still in with a chance, I know te- mathematically we are, but we're not really the top six. We'd rather have some games with them or maybe a couple of games in the bottom six, give more of the youngsters a chance. I don't think it really matters to us this season, top bottom six. It would maybe be nice for him to get dragged into the bottom six and we could maybe get. Oh, you know what? That's... I hope we don't. I hope. I hope they're apart, just so we don't need to sit through another drab Edinburgh derby. Oh, we can't not beat them all season. Come on! <laughs> it's been dreadful. I hate watching you know, Edinburgh derbies now. I've been. They've been terrible, and it's been both teams have been. No, it's, it's, I, I can't fault either. It's just both. <laughs> it just be. It has been horrendous. That. But I. Well done, St Mirren. Disappointing, but I sums up our season. Just weary. I'm weary. <laughs> <laughs> Well, no, I was just, just, just congratulations, St. Martin. That's the first time they've had their hands on the trophy, yep. and they become the sixth team in a row that's different to have won a cup in Scotland. Nice. That's that. You can go back to Dundee United Scottish Cup. Then you have Rangers winning the League Cup. You then have Celtic winning the Scottish Cup. You then have Kilmarnock winning the League Cup. Hearts winning the Scottish Cup, and now St. Martin winning the League well, Cup. Well, the last three, the last three cups in a row have been won by Kilmarnock and Aye, so it's nice. Decent enough in that way, but I, as I was saying, a Samirin fan earlier on Twitter, uh, he was like, "I was a great, great game, great average for Scottish football." I was like, "Maybe," but I find it hard to be objective just now. <laughs> it was a good advert, yeah. I'd rather, as I said, the Samirin fan in the pub before we left for the game, he was like, oh, "I just hope it's a good game." Eh? I was like, "To be honest, mate, I'd take an absolute dire game in a one 0 win," <laughs> and I, I still would have. It's a good advert, but it was on BBC One Scotland, so. I, mean, I, I, I think I said it last night. I, I sat and watched the sports scene highlights, and I was quite happy to sit and watch the League Cup uh, final that I'd already watched earlier on the highlights again. And then we got about five minutes worth of SPL highlights, and then they put Match of the Day on. And I thought, there's no way the English have got anything that was as entertaining as that League Cup. 
and I sat and watched the first couple of games and went, nah, I'm wet my bed. Yeah. There's a good crowd as well because I remember a lot. Forty-four thousand, Dad. I think forty-five. And to be honest, I think the empty seats were all just mainly member seats that never got released to the clubs. But Aye. I remember on Twitter when the, we got to the final, and I was like, "There'll be, there'll be at least forty thousand And everyone was saying it was mad, and it would be twenty-five odd thousand. And and I said twenty-five thousand Hearts fans and fifteen thousand St Mirren fans, and that's right. what that was. BBC official attendance is forty-four thousand and thirty-six. So that's so what's is that, that ticket sold or is that is that aye. people in the turnstiles? The debentures. No, there was definitely. To be honest, I was surprised it was only forty-four. It looked a lot more in the ground, but I oh, the only gaps you see were the, the ones that don't want to be sold. So yeah. I mean, that, that's good to see. And it was quite a big uh, turnout, so. Right. And, uh, well, at least we got sure, some cash sure. from it. <laughs> Aye, that's the thing. I'm sure, I'm sure there was a good uh, celebration in, in Paisley after they, they took the trophy back, although apparently the, the microphones weren't working and for some reason, although they had a stage, they put the photographers on it instead of the, the, the players. As long as they didn't do a Sergio Ramos and drop the trophy under the bus. <laughs> no, it was a, a, a Glasgow City Tour bus, apparently. <laughs> Nice to nice to see a um, a glass an almost Glasgow a Glasgow area team uh, having a parade, you know. <laughs> oh, well, it wouldn't have been nice if, if we were allowed to do such things, but uh, I know. Uh, strict talk, rules about that. About police. There's strict rules about that, Laurie. They've I have got to apply for it. Can uh, he's kind of behave yourselves, you know, like us uh, Edinburgh teams and. <laughs> oh no, Rangers apply for permission when they do a match. There's something I really hate. I don't know, before cup finals, I really hate, and it, it was obviously the same on Friday, but you have to do it. I hate when they release the plans for the parade because it's, <laughs> I hate planning for something which might not happen, but I know they have to. Like last year, obviously, Hibs had their route planned and the bus ready. Yeah. And you can't, you just, can't be blocking streets. No, 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 no. Can't have that. No. Nope. And it's just, I don't a know. disturbance. That's it. The anyway. last thing we want is if, if I'm wanting to be going to buy my wallpaper, I don't want to be disturbed by. A bunch of hooligans. See if you're buying wallpaper up a Gallagher at one o'clock in the afternoon when the Celtic are at Hamlet three, you're meant to. Is that is that not what the untouchable sells? <laughs> from where I I've only ever walked past it to go to the Barrowlands. Oh. <laughs> what do you reckon to the talk the takeover talk today and yesterday? Anyway, it seems to be progressing, but I'm still very sceptical as to what can happen. I mean, everyone's they all seem to be in advanced talks and talking about. They're looking at having it done by the end of the season and stuff. I just, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure the news I heard today. I'm not sure if that's anything new or not. It's, it seems very similar to what I've been But they all seem time. to be all in direct talks now, as in Hearts shareholders, Federation, um, the Trust, Youth Development uh, and Foundation and everyone. And it's just, I just, I don't know. I just struggle to see where this initial buyout comes from. You know, if... Well... Someone the problem needs... I've got with this is I was very sceptical of the timing of it because this whole oh, talks are in advanced stages came out on Sunday morning before the cup final. And even, I'm just looking at the BBC website now, it says a statement is expected to be released on Monday and there hasn't been one. Yeah. So, call me sceptical. Well, well, if it's if it's meant to be on the um, that Save Our Hearts website, then the reason there's no statement is because it's me who updates it, and I'm pretty bad at getting back. <laughs> <laughs> I've been out the loop of enough. <laughs> there was actually one statement I missed. I feel really bad because it was just because I was moving and I lost the email and so. But anyway, I mean, I don't know. I just I think they're pretty desperate to get 
something done now with think ever involved, but it's very unclear as to who really has any control over Hearts now, to be honest. Because UBIG... If an advice talks, who are they in advice talks with? I, I, I really don't know, but <clears throat> it's very... I don't know. I just wanted something to be done. It's kind of been so dragged out and... Ah, I don't know. I'm just... I think you've got to wait and see till more comes out, but they seem to be releasing... It's, it's like you say, they release these statements of more news, but it just seems to be the same news that every one of them is since it first yeah. emerged and... Anyway, we'll we'll talk about more if something else comes out. I'm yeah, sure. right. I think we're we're kind of running out of time, but obviously we touched upon the, the procession by the the Green Brigade on Saturday. If you wanted to get some good pictures of that, Chris, your timeline's really good on Twitter. And that's Chris eighteen eighty eight. You retweeted quite a bit on the weekend because I happened to be alongside the the, the procession and the or the, the shortest procession in history, I think, because it went up Watson Street, went up Bell Street, and came, tried to come back down <laughs> uh, another street that was next to that and got uh, kettled. Yeah. Aye. Well, one thing... It, is, it's basically being completely surrounded by a ring of uh, police. Yes, exactly. I had to look it up as well on the day. Doesn't involve a kettle? Uh, it involves boiling point, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Aye. The one thing that, that I've seen was that the session was illegal, so the police had every right to be there, but I hope that it's not true what I'm hearing about the, the brutality, really, about the, the truncheons coming out a wee bit too quickly. But I'm hoping that there will be an investigation, and I'm hoping that if that did happen, they'll be dealt with. But right now, I'm just hearing second, third-hand stories, so I can't really tell. Right, well, you can get first-hand from me, because I was actually there and seen it. Um... Basically, the what yes, the there had been no permission granted to have this curtail that they were calling it, which is basically a bunch of Celtic fans walking up the Gallagher to the game as a group, a big group. Mm-hmm. Um, which okay, you're uh, probably as reaching the point that you're marching. So, but then they're marching against what they've uh, decided was police harassment and other such things about so, fellow fans being banned. Well, the uh, things have to come to court and then get thrown out so they get their ban lifted and things like that. Um, so I kind of, I, I agree with that in principle because I think this stupid law is ridiculous that they've put in place and was uh, reactionary and doesn't do what it's supposed to do and just gives ridiculous power where it's not needed. But surely you apply for right, permission, well, surely. The, the, the argument there is why would you apply for uh, permission from the police when the argument is I want to protest about the police. Well, it's the council you apply to. Yeah, well, right, there is that as well. The, yes. the other argument would be, well, we're just walking to the game like we would normally, which is a bit of a stretch. That's a honest. thin, but, that's a thin, yeah. Yep. I, I, can, I can understand it because I have walked up and down the Gallagate myself. But, you, the but you, you are right in that there is, especially coming out of a game, there yes, is exactly. thousands of fans all very close together you could call I, that a bit of a match. Hand on heart, have walked all the way down the Gallagher along the road out of a, a Celtic Rangers game, actually. And no, nobody bothered us. Nobody tried to get us onto the pavements because we were stopping traffic. It was just everybody was walking back into town. I think we were quite happy because I think we'd won. Uh, I believe it was raining as well, which we if, didn't really bother about. If it's yeah, true I mean, that the said you can, we'll escort you if you go on the pavement, if that's true, and if it's true that they refused... And I, I just can't believe that they did that because if they did that, they would have got the publicity that the police 
I can't massive numbers because I never heard that. I believe they were told that you can be escorted up the, the, the pavement because we're not letting you walk up the Gallagate when in a big group along the road because you'll disrupt the traffic. Yep. The next thing that happened was the Cortillo took a re- left turn and went down Watson Street instead of going up Gallagate. And I definitely heard the police saying, they've changed the route. I went chasing after them around the front. Now, the next thing I did was turn right on, I believe it's Bell Street, and there's a railway bridge immediately in front of you when you walk up that road and they tried to corral them in there and failed because they kind of pushed their way through now I, I say pushed that was as far as it went there was no brutality there was no aggression there was nothing there they just pushed their way around the corner effectively at which point the police had managed to slow them down enough to gather enough people to barricade them into the, the street that was there when they turned right so they were, they get, there was like six riot vans in front of them and there were six riot vans behind them pretty much and they were cornered Nowhere to go. So they started closing around them with more and more police. And the, what I said, the, the, you've seen the photos on the, my, my Twitter feed and mm-hmm. where they eventually surrounded them in a ring. But as they were getting closed in more and more, a few of them tried to escape. Mm-hmm. I'm not, well, they basically were fleeing the scene rather than trying to be uh, causing any trouble. They just wanted to get out of there and didn't want trapped, which is fair enough. I don't think I, I mean, I was hanging back. I didn't want trapped. That's why I was able to avoid it. Um, but as soon as they started doing that, the police <laughs> were out with the batons chasing after them. And the, the batons were raised, there's no doubt about that. And i never seen any aggression for the Celtic fans that would want the raising of the batons. Um, there was one point one of them walked past me because a few of the, the group that had broken away ran the way I was standing. So a few of them came towards me with their batons raised and I just backed off immediately. And they could hear them saying, get back into the, the, the main group. Is it, so it wasn't, they just didn't want them fleeing, they wanted them part of the, the kettle group, which I didn't understand. You'd think if they wanted to spot up this group, they'd let the ones just go. Yeah. But they, they seemed intent on stopping them, which I didn't understand. And why the batons were raised, I don't know. They, they, when that happened, I think there was a few things kicked off and people were resisting arrest, I believe was an appropriate phrase. But um, it was a, a depressing scene before the, the game on Saturday. And... Um, it's one I'd rather not see again. Were they, was there many with the scarfs over their face? Not that I noticed. Because the, the, I've seen that mentioned a few times that people were, had their face covered. Or the police it. mentioned that well, from last scene. Maybe, but the, the, the majority of the fans that were there were completely uncovered. See, to me, the, if somebody's covering their face, they're up to no good. So, right. yeah. well, I would agree with that. I think if you're covering your face, what are you hiding? Yeah. Yeah, aye, the, and that's the, the the thing. I bet I'll, the majority of them were there for that peaceful protest, and it's the folk that were quick to cover their face that were maybe in for a bit of nastiness. They were just kind of wanting a bit of a laugh, or, and then when the police came, it's probably what they wanted. I mean, the, the thing that needs to be remembered here is this is getting this is once again being labelled as the Green Brigade. Now I know the Green Brigade are the central. Uh, support group that are involved in this but it wasn't just the Green Brigade that were there there was there was, there was people there with their kids as well I mean, there was sort of 15 year old lassies <clears> in there and they, they were getting corralled just with everybody else I was there, I'm not a member of the Green Brigade, I wouldn't even pretend to be yeah I, 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 like I said, I was hanging back because <laughs> I think my gut instinct was this is going to go wrong as soon as it took a, a left turn down the street instead of going straight up a Gallagate and the police went chasing after I thought I'll just, I'll hang back a bit Sort of document what's happening rather than anything else. A frontline reporter. Uh, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Right, but I'm sorry to cut you off, Chris, but I think we're yeah, kind of I'm, tight I'm, for time. Hopefully there'll be some sort of investigation at this. And That's it. The truth, hopefully the truth comes out. And I, I don't I like all these conspiracy theories. I, I'd rather focus on the truth. 
No, I think I think the the, the Labour MP or MSP or something he was talking about it. He went to a full investigation, and I, and I would welcome a full investigation because I think it was completely out, out of hand, and I think the the over policing is a big issue here. And we'll see what comes up. To be honest, it's just depressing that this is what we're talking about instead of football. Oh, right, well, moving on to football. Yeah, let's talk about Scotland. Scotland against <laughs> Wales game coming up and an interesting point I heard was George Boyd says that he's never been to Hamden. He's gonna he's gonna play for Scotland potentially. He's, he's, I'm not sure if he's gonna definitely get in the part, but he's gonna play for Scotland and he's never been to Hamden before. Well see if it makes him feel any better. <clears throat> I've been to Hamden loads of times and I've never heard of George Boyd, so get it away. <laughs> <laughs> right, that that was that was really my the extent of what I wanted to say in the Scotland Wales <laughs> but I, I just don't know is that that bad. bad I mean when you think about it though yes is it though If so what if a player for a club never in his club had never got to hand for any reason what he, he might just not went he should be a fan of his national team if that's what he does if he's a footballer surely he's He's passionate about football. Surely he's passionate about his national team. He's got to have been at Hamden. He's got to have seen a Scotland game. I've not been at Hamden that many times to see Scotland. You, that's it. You're not getting picked for Scotland then. No, but what I mean is I'm actually a football supporter as well. If you're a player, you know, you might often be playing. Would you really often... I know I know lots of football fans who, who support Scotland, but I wouldn't have been at Hamden to see them. I mean, it's, I don't think it's that bad. I mean... Have, you, have we not picked a player who's not been to Scotland before? Sure we have. Well, he's he's probably one. I hate that, I know. No, he's I mean, probably just, one of them. Just he's not been to Hamden. Is, I don't think that's the biggest thing. But I, no. You know what I'm like? I don't, I don't like the whole picking English players, but I don't think that's a, a huge thing. What, has he got a Scottish granny or grander or something, does he? Oh, probably. I don't know. He drank a pint of tenants one night. Uh, he played to Scotland <laughs> on a map. Maybe I'm not sure he can point to Hamden in a map. Alright, so I've got Forrest pulled out, McCormack pulled out, Kenny Miller still there. Oh, <laughs> Aye, I just don't know what to expect from this game. I'm, I'm just not so sure. Uh, Bale um, is a kind of player that uh, if he turns it on and Bellamy as well, if the two of them turn it on, then it's just it's just going to be too much for us, especially with our defence and the two of them, the way they switch. As well, like, who knows where Bale wants to play nowadays? Somebody in the forum mentioned that he's going to be playing on the left wing, but he just goes a wonder. I don't know how we're going to deal with him. Apparently, Strachan's not going to get anyone to man mark him, but I don't know. It's because he's got nobody good enough to man mark him. He's a hard player to man mark. It's well, doing it anyway. He drifts, he drifts about. Well, he drifts about as well. So you, who do you put on man mark him? You don't put a defender because you need your defenders all in defence, and he kind of drifts. You'd have yeah. to have like a you're holding midfielder sort of doing it, wouldn't you? You'd have to play like a, a sitting guy Caldwell, to kind of follow him. But I said midfielder. <sighs> ah, Gary Caldwell's <laughs> played in the hole. Ah, he's played in midfield. He's no midfielder. Though. Right. So, <laughs> I, so I've got a ticket, man. Uh, gave my work. Had a season ticket, so I've managed to get that off him. He's not even wanting anything in return. So I'm quids in. Nice. I've got a ticket as well, so I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I'm, I think I'm looking forward more to seeing the likes of Gareth Bale for my, myself instead of just the telly. Uh, it's going to be oh, a no, sensation. I've... Looking at Joe Edwin going, I'm not supporting you tonight. I've, yeah. I've, I've seen Gareth Bale in the flesh. It wasn't good. It's <laughs> it just those dodgy websites you look at, though, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> Edinburgh Zoo. Oh, oh. Aye, it'll be good. Aye, Chris, I'm maybe need to give you a shout for a pint. Aye, it's a Friday night, isn't it? 
That's I'm going to go straight for work, it'll be good. Aye, I'll give you a shout nearer the time, I'm not sure what my plans are. I've done myself for worst. Aye, Friday night international game, it's not it's not something I'm too keen on for the international fixtures, but we'll see how Oh, it I think it's a great idea, I think it's absolutely brilliant. You know the only downside of it is when you finished it and then you're on Saturday morning you go, is they fit for this weekend? Hey Chris, behave yourself. Does oh yeah, because there's the SFL, there is, I might actually yourself. have to see what fixtures are. Oh, Rangers against Sterling at midday. Uh, what else there? <laughs> what is there in the, in the top SFL division <laughs> right, well we could move on and discuss the, the charity bit if you want and we could cover that so we've got Dunfermline Dumbarton Airdrie Wraith Falkirk Hamilton Morton Cowdenbeath Partick Livingston and oh, the, the, the top tier yeah. of the SFL that's quite a nice way of putting it I'm talking it up right so, so we'll, we'll, pick charity, a, we'll pick a charity bet at <clears throat> Because we were rubbish last week because we got only one out of, t- one out of three. Right, mate. I said Mullerwood would win, and they did. I went for Queen of the South. You went drew. for Queen of the South, which, to be fair enough, is usually a good bet. And uh, Derek went for Forfar, and they drew three each. Sounds a good game, yeah. He did but say it would be There's no chance I'm going for Rangers. No chance. <laughs> no, no against our bogey team, no. No, can't risk that. Hmm. What about... Hmm. Morton. Morton's odds. What are Morton's odds? Two to five. Morton, the Hemp, the Oh, you're not going for that. No. Right. Elgin against Clyde. Eight oh. to eleven. That's what I'm going for. Clyde have been kind of hit and miss. It's dodgy. But yeah. Elgin Come looked on. a good side. I didn't get a chance really to talk them up, <coughs> but there was a, a few players that were looking really good for them. I was really impressed with the number seven. It's pace to burn. Anyway, aye, Elgin. Uh, I'll be Rovers at home with Forfar Athletic. Let's go with Forfar then. Oh, um, oh, I don't know. I'm not prepared this. I'm not prepared. <laughs> We're uh-huh. not prepared for this. Uh, I don't know. I'm going to have to pick a team. Falkirk have been hitting a... Recent bit, decent bit of form recently, you know. They're evens at Mike Bookie. No fancy when throws to bounce back after getting cuffed 6 0 by Peter Reid. They're away to East Sterling. Don't know. I was almost thinking Queen's Park away at Annan, but Annan, but then Annan beat, I suppose they only beat Rangers. It's not. Aye, and then lost. <laughs> that was that. They lost to Clyde. <clears throat> um, fuck, I can't. What's the home to Clyde? I'm going to go Falkirk. It's a bit risky, but I've not prepared and. It's... You say that as if I prepare, Larry. <laughs> oh, you put you over prepare. <laughs> I know I over prepare now, this is why I always lose the charity, but <laughs> I go Falkirk. Falkirk, they are evens. The overall pretend that I'm working us out. That's something pounds. Right, £63.33 that we're not going to win. That's not the attitude. We're going to win it, we're, we're overdue now. Right, what we should do is we could what? see if we can get a bet on are we going to win the charity bet. What bookie would give the odds of that? My bookie are good guys, so they give the £10 for free, so aye. They're good. Right, this has got to the, the end of everything that I wanted to discuss other than a, a quick random section that I'm going to have to keep short. On the forum, we were talking about international caps and Harry Scott started a thread about Jim Baxter, who only got five caps for Scotland 
because back in the day there was one cap per season, which is obviously different now because now we all think of a cap as being synonymous with an appearance. Really? But they must they must have counted now in stats the appearances as caps. Are you mean about the physical caps? Back in the day, yes, a physical cap was given for one one a season. Ah, sorry, I thought you were talking. See, I just physical caps. Did I? I don't, I don't. I, I'm trying to think of this cupboard that Kenny Douglas has got with her own two in it. Aye, but are we? But are we? Are we talking about? Are, is the is the thread about the physical caps, not as in the appearances? It's I'm about caps. Because I say caps, but I don't mean it as in caps, regardless of whether they get a stupid little hat or not. Oh, I talk about caps. Wikipedia <laughs> talks about stupid caps. little hat. Aye, it's, it's an honour to win a cap for your country. But you know what I mean. But oh. I but know the the hat side of it. You know. Aye. I play for Scotland, but look at the little hat I got! <laughs> <laughs> right, anyway, so I can't... It's better if you were made to wear it, wouldn't it? <laughs> you had to wear it on the pitch at the time. As you were playing, you had to wear it yeah. the full game, otherwise you didn't get to... Get your, your appearance didn't count. It's like the kind of caps you get when... Uh, in the olden days when you were at school with the, the shorts and the high socks on, and that kind of cap. When Greg was at school... How old are you? I was <laughs> <laughs> Greg was just going, huh? <laughs> right, anyway, my point of bringing up this cap thing, right? Christine Lilly, right? Obviously a woman. Got 352 caps for America. That is an amazing number of games. How many? 352. That's How? unbelievable. How? Right, so that... that they play it, what, once a week? That got me interested in that kind of thing. And I went and looked, and the record for men's football is Ahmed Hassan. Ahmed Hassan for Egypt, he got 184. Oh, did he? I thought it was a different Egyptian. No, that's it. I've confirmed it with Wikipedia. Wikipedia's always right. Uh, I had had in my head it was like Al Dai or something. That's definitely not him. Right, so remember Christine Lilly, 352. Then for Scotland, we've got Dalglish on 102. And then Mr Vaseline himself, Jim Layton's on 91. (laughs) (laughs) See these, see these caps at like Christie and Lally got? Are you sure they were international caps? They weren't contraceptive. <laughs> Maybe it was just promiscuous. Come on! You're taking it too far. That. You're taking it too far, Chris. I just went, right, I just looked I just it up. See, it seems a lot of caps right, for somebody. I just How, looked it up, can you right? even play that many games in your career? This is what I don't get. I just looked it up, right? And, um... This is our, our, our club appearances. Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> our club appearances total about 68, 100, about 110. But our international is 350. It's like the opposite of every player in men's football. <laughs> it's like never want to turn up for their club, but always for the It's the opposite of Rio Ferdinand. 130 goals. She scored more international goals than she's what? played club games. How is that goals. possible? Ah, there's something wrong here. Where, where, where do these games come from? Do they play like two, three, four groups to qualify for every tournament or something? Well, we made our debut for the United States Women's National Soccer Team in 1987 when she was still attending high school. During her international career, she surpassed the previous women's record of 151 caps that was held by Norway's Heidi Store on May 21st, 1998. She surpassed the men's record of 164, which was Al Tayani of the United Arab Emirates. She's participated in one, two, three, four, five World Cups. Yep. I, I suppose. I, guess, I suppose the American women were really good at football. So I, well, I just lots of games. I looked yeah. up Mia Hamm there because she's the the woman I always associate with American <laughs> women's football. 
and she'd be good at making sandwiches. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> she got a 275 in a national cap, so she only played 149 club games. So uh, it's, I just don't know where they get all the games from. Uh, See if you want women's soccer, Hope Solo. Oh, aye, aye, aye. I think she's on the forum, actually. See, the thing is, this Christine Lilly, she actually had time out to have a kid. Oh, what? Oh, come on. How is she playing all these games? <laughs> you know what? Right, get this right. Her average, if she was playing for, what was it, 13 years, it said? She played for 13 years at... Oh, no, sorry, I'm going mad. No, no 87, 87 until... No, sorry, it was 23. I, I, I just realised it was 87, it said. That's not so bad. I was going, I was waiting to say that. I, like, oh, I love I love in women's football how they can be, they can miss a game due to maternity leave. She still <laughs> averages 15 international appearances a, a year. That's, that can't be right. That's more than an international game a month on average. That's just uh, silly. They must have like five asides or something in that account. <laughs> Oh, you know what? Yeah. I mean, I mean that this is the same country where you graduate from kindergarten. <laughs> you graduate from kindergarten. I'm believing Joel. Right. I did they graduate till I was at university. They graduate from nursery. Do you get, do you get scholarships at kindergarten to go to like <laughs> primary school? <laughs> Money scholarship, yeah. Hello to all our American listeners. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if they have like kindergarten, you know, kindergarten football, and then you get a scholarship. Shown live on ESPN Kindergarten football. Yeah. <laughs> ESPN 8 or something. Oh uh, dear. Maybe right. Derek can commentate on it. <laughs> well, he done Highland Highland Games, didn't he? He did. Oh, that was a brilliant <laughs> story. Oh, we can't go for any more tangents. We'll be here till next week. I know. Right, well, we better go. Aye, we're, we're better shutting the door on the podcast. Right, before all the well, these gaps for it. <laughs> I can't believe you said that. I can't believe you said that, and I got criticised for talking about. Anyway. <laughs> hey, right. you, you see, you laugh, but I mean, she did have a win. Well, we're obviously, we're working very well with 352 caps, and it's. <laughs> anyway, not. Right, anyway. I'm a bit... <laughs> I don't know right, well, is. thanks for coming back, Laurie. And thanks, as usual, Chris. And thanks if anyone's still listening after we talked about women's football. I hope they've. I hope they actually cut off before we got. That. That's branching out. Women's football. I know. Can we talk about the women's, uh, the Scottish women's football league? I think Rangers got thumped off Glasgow City. Oh, Glasgow City, they hump everybody. Exactly. Know? Glasgow I... City haven't lost in about four years. Aye. I don't know. Aye, they're trying to jump ship anyway. <laughs> right. Anyway. Right. Three. It was three two. They beat Rangers. So it was close. I'm going to look up the Rangers women's football team, see what they've got to say about it. Right. They probably get attendances of about 50,000. <laughs> <laughs> right. But thanks for listening, everybody that's listening. Still right, left. Cheers. Aye. 352 Aye. caps later. Just still... Right. I'll speak to you next week. Yeah. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Bye.